Hey guys, welcome to this first podcast called Liberty and Friends. And um, as the name suggests, I'm your host, Big Daddy Liberty, and I'm with friends. That's right, people who are very much on the uh, intellectual spectrum of liberalism and liberty. And in this podcast, we're going to be discussing this, that, and the third. All sorts of issues uh, from global politics, uh, local stuff, and really breaking down um, issues that you may may have been pondering about, but providing a lot more analysis to it. Uh, in this episode, my first episode, I've got a very good colleague of mine, uh, Terence Corrigan, um, someone who I really think you guys are going to enjoy the insights from. Uh, Terence himself will be launching his own show, but we'll get into all those details at the end. Um, and it'll be coming out once every two weeks. Uh, this show, Liberty and Friends, will come out once a week. Terence, good, uh, good day to you. Oh, seriously, always, always a pleasure to, pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Terence, we're going to jump straight to it because I think it's been a very interesting time in, in our, you know, basically global politics and mm. foreign politics in particular, especially with the online tirade by one Zinzi Mandela. Um, but the world is a big place and we've got problems here. So uh, why would we care about this? Look, you know, I think that um, uh, that we care about it because it's something worth caring about. But what I'd like to focus on here is less what uh, the ambassador, what our ambassador to Denmark was saying on um, on Twitter, and it seems that despite the uh, uh, reprimand by the minister, she hasn't uh, backpedaled on on her, on her online behaviour much. In fact, uh, she retweeted someone saying that South Africa is going to be a, um, a one-party socialist state where we will nationalise <laughs> everything, which is probably hardly um, uh, hardly something that a, that a potential Danish investor wants to hear. But nevertheless, what uh, what what has caught my attention was the response by another former diplomat, uh, diplomat to Thailand, Douglas Gibson. Mm. Now, he makes uh, some some decent points, um, and he talks about how South Africa, uh, in uh, recent times, has is, is is playing its diplomatic hand by alienating the United States, mm. um, saying that well, you know, of course, we should have good relations with the Chinese and with the Americans. And, you know, it makes a perfectly reasoned argument, but I can't help thinking that somehow he's missing a trick here. Um, these are reasoned arguments for a government whose aim is a um, is the the, the the development of its uh, of its economy, economic growth, the living standards of its people. I think what he's missing here is just is just how strong the ideology features, particularly in our um, in our foreign policies. Um, I said it at the time. Um, uh, Ambassador Mandela will not uh, will not suffer any serious career um, uh, career damage. Sadly, so. Um, but you know, it 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 goes beyond that. You know, it shows up some serious weaknesses in the way we are conducting our foreign affairs. Mm, what do you mean by that? How so? Okay, let's go back to the, go back to the beginning. Um, when the um, uh, ANC was uh, on the on the path of the Union buildings about 1993. Um, Nelson Mandela published an article in the prestigious journal Foreign Affairs, and he set out a vision for South African foreign policy, which I think um, e- even today is is, is um, sometimes referenced. And there were sort of four priorities: human rights and democracy, the promotion. I mean, this was very much a, um, he referred to South Africa's experience as the largest civil rights movement of the of the twentieth century. The importance of Africa to South Africa. Remember, one of the big ironies um, of of South Africa's post war history was that it was. On, on a continent, most of whose states didn't recognize uh, didn't recognize the, the incumbent government, uh, the promotion of economic opportunities. I mean, that was certainly uh, Africa and the world was opening up to to, to South Africa, 
And then linked to that, the promotion of trade and the stress on reciprocity. Um, you know, there, there, um, there were things that um, uh, that South Africa saw in the um, in the global trade architecture, for instance, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I think it had every right to be to be aggrieved about. Um, the protection extended to farmers in um, in Europe and America, for instance, whereas uh, countries that or regions that could be agriculturally competitive in Africa, for instance, just didn't have those. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, weren't able to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these are reasonable goals, and they were prag- they were both pragmatic and idealistic. And um, we've gotten wrong, and I think that, that that there's a single word that explains most of that, and that is ideology. Hmm. Uh, just talk us through that, because you know a lot of people don't really get the thrust of how ideology right. would be a problem. Okay. Now, um, ideology is the kind of the way you um, uh, you organize your political thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, the ANC. Uh, the ANC. Um, in the in the early nineties, it had just lost its um, its its uh, Soviet patron. Um, uh, Eastern Europe was uh, uh, was bounding towards the European Union and uh, NATO and whatever. Basically, um, it was a um, it was a time at which uh, socialism was 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 going out the window. And um, I think that there were people in the ANC, and I think perhaps uh, former President uh, Mandela was one of them. Um, uh, pre- former President Mbeki, to some extent. They understood that uh, this um, sort of hard left 1960s-style Cold War mindset was not um, a, was not a winning proposition. Um, but I don't know how um, how deeply that um, uh, that realization sunk in, and I think that that for many um, of the ANC's intellectuals, for many of its thinkers, a lot of that Cold War-style reasoning. Um, has too much of it was imbibed to simply expel it. Mm. So um, you know, while uh, for a while the uh, the idea of turning South Africa into a into a communist nirvana um, uh, sort of fell off the radar, um, m- many of the other assumptions that went with it, particularly a visceral hostility towards um, uh, towards the West, mm. if you like, um, r- you know, uh, continued to play a, a, a deeply deeply decisive role in the way in, in the way South Africa has acted um, and ironically we saw this very very um, uh, very much so with um, uh, with Tabo and Becky mm-hmm. now South Africa I, I, I just want to put up uh, put up front has done has done some good its peace building efforts in, um, in 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 Africa for instance have been um, have been very valuable uh, I, I think that few things have held back Afri- um, Africa's development quite to the extent that conflict has you know even mm-hmm. if there's not conflict in your country your ability—if you're a landlocked state and trying to export things, but they have to go through a war zone—and mm. um, I think that um, uh, that that was that was that was that was very commendable. Um, one can talk about how, how effective it was. Um, so there was that, but at the same time, if you look at the ANC's discussion documents, a couple of years ago, um, they—it um, was two two thousand and fifteen, the National General Council. Uh, talked about the uh, about a new Cold War. Uh, you know, we often sort of associate this with, dare I say, right wing nutcases in America. But you know, here we've got self styled progressives talking about it. Where they talk about the exemplary role of the collective leadership for the Communist Party of China <laughs> should be the guiding lone star of our own struggle. What struggle are we talking about? And uh, you know, putting yourself under the um, uh, under the protective umbrella of a faraway state sounds a lot like colonialism to me. But you know, I'm going. I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, but yeah, you know, this the, this isn't this, this isn't a forward thinking state we're talking about. 
Um, this is one that I, I don't think even fully appreciates what China has become. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I always love to say this because, because, because it is so revealing. A couple of years ago, the Communist Party actually sent out a memo, the Communist Party of China, telling its people that they're not called each other comrade anymore. They call them Mr. and Mrs. because that comrade thing is just so outdated. Um, you know, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think that, that, that for people who's, who's, whose mindset is kind of locked in, a, um, uh, locked in this, the sort of factory settings that we have, mm. um, China is always going to be um, you know, a, a wonderful example of a communist country. Um, so um, we, uh, we have that then alongside that, something very common to, to uh, most of our, um, uh, to, or to much of our state, is that our diplomatic systems don't work very well. Mm. Um, now, go back to the 1990s. Um, I'm old enough to remember uh, one of the first big political fallouts um, within the ANC, which is when um, Monsieur Lakota was ejected as the Premier of the Free State. Mm. And there was um, a rumor going around that he would be sent as the ambassador to Japan. And I remember one editorial saying, he probably has neither the interest nor the aptitude to make a success of this. And this is Japan. This is a major investor. It's, uh, at that stage, it was the linchpin of our, of our relations in Asia. Um, but the idea was that this could be a kind of reward come exile for, um, uh, uh, for a guy that we sort of like but is a bit out of favor now. And we've done this again and again with our, um, uh, with our ambassadorships. Um, I've, spoke, you know, I've spoken to people within the, uh, within the foreign affairs bureaucracy, and you know, they talk about, um, uh, talk about their, fr their, uh, their frustrations with um, you know, some, of what, uh, some of what goes on there. I think, for, I think that Ambassador um, uh, Mandela's uh, online escapades were revealing um, because it, it, it just, it, th this is just not how a serious country's diplomats behave. Mm -hmm. um, but more than that, you know, forget the, forget the Twitter thing. She went missing for like three days while the department tried to find her. <laughs> if, if there's one thing that you do as an ambassador, you keep in touch with your, with, with, uh, with your, with your home base, unless you've been kidnapped. She was apparently, I think it was, it was on a soccer tour or something that, um, we've uh, we had the ambassador to Venezuela um, talking about sending soldiers to fight the Americans. That's really, really weird stuff. Yeah, uh, no, it's 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 crazy. And then a man in the Netherlands goes before the, the Zondo Commission, and if just on the testimony of his own, uh, on his own testimony, he has no business being in uh, <laughs> um, uh, 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 being in that job. But you know, nothing seems to uh, nothing really seems to um, uh, 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 seems to come of this. So we we have. We, we we have a foreign service that gives us you know not much service but you know it gives us a foreign service it, uh, you know way for people to go and spend some time overseas, perhaps process visas or whatever. Um, I mean, look, I, I've I've spoken I've spoken to people abroad who have con who have contacts in South African embassies who say there's nobody there from South Africa who can speak the local language. Um, th th that that is that is deeply troubling. To uh, Tony Leon uh, wrote last year. Um, a very, uh, very insightful and very well rightly remarked upon piece about um, the American embassy, which is our largest at the time of expropriation without compensation, and said they were just caught completely flat-footed. Mm. Now, America has massive investments here. You possibly want to keep them, or maybe, uh, going back to what Mr. Gibson says, maybe we don't care, mm. which is a problem in itself. But where, you know, where, where were our representatives? So what, what I'm seeing here is we are not we are not driving the kind of developmental agenda that we that we should be, mm -hmm. and don't take my word for it. The National Development Plan uh, expressed concerns about this. We have a diplomatic presence that is uh, you know one of the one of the most widespread in the world. Mm. Well over a hundred missions abroad. What 
what are we getting for this? Because mm. surely we spend a lot. And but you know the funny thing is, Terence, that you know, with you saying this, the political establishment will likely point to BRICS, right? And they say, well, right. at least we have the strong relationship with the BRICS. We're part of the big boys there. No. Uh, well, uh, uh, BRICS versus Briquette is the ones the Piro <laughs> cartoon showed. Um, yes, um, it's 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 nice that we get to hobnob with the big boys sometimes, but we are just we, we we're not in their league. Um, India and China can point can point to sort of massive uh, massive growth rates. Russia is at least a nuclear power, with, you know, with the, uh, with its uh, you know with whatever um, shenanigans go on there. Mm. Brazil is the is, is the kind of population and demographic and economic linchpin of, of Latin America. They also they also got problems. Um, South Africa just isn't just isn't in that league, and you know I think that's and and, and I think we, the, you give the game up. With this sort of bandwagoning and you know genuflection before the Communist Party of China, um, this is the language of subordination. You know, willingly accepting overlordship. You know, there was a there was a time when organisations in the ANC's ideological uh, camp would regard that as insulting, but there always seems to be a kind of reveling in it. And in fact, I, you know, I, I remember Anthony Butler uh, in one of his columns for for Business Day, it must be about ten years ago, talking about BRICS. And he said, "Well, one of the big achievements." That BRICS is, um, uh, you know, gives gives the, the incumbent South African government is it lets Jacob Zuma pretend that he's a real statesman. <laughs> now, obviously, that's a cheeky way of saying it, but um, you know, um, BRICS is not some sort of formal alliance. Mm. Um, it's a it's a platform. The mm. Chinese have many of these, and I think that that uh, we would be ill advised to think that for the Chinese, at the end of the day, their relationship with Little old uh, anemic growth South Africa at the bo- at the bottom of the continent is really as important as their relationship with the United States, mm. or you know even with a with a, with a country like Australia. One might say, "What about human rights, though?" Uh, yeah. Surely we're the leader on that. Mm. Once again, an interesting point. Look, human rights are are are, are, a, are a difficult question for for uh, uh, for foreign affairs. In a sense, they're an ideology on their own. Mm. Now, they're always a challenge, and. Um, no country gets it right. Uh, there's there have been tomes written about um, uh, about American foreign policy in this in this respect. Um, some countries are quite blunt about it and don't you know don't don't look at that as a consideration. Um, so others do. Now, South Africa, I think we are incredibly selective. Mm. Um, we have uh, we had this moral authority in the 1990s, which uh, President Mandela at, at times t- tried to try to invoke. If you remember over the Kensara we were incident in Nigeria, mm-hmm. um, and South Africa talks talks a good game, but in practice, we are incredibly selective. Um, I uh, had a had, had an interview with a with a senior um, a member of the department um, probably about ten years ago. And I put some things on the table, and I said, "Okay, you're very um, uh, vocal. Let's say about uh, you were very vocal about the about the Iraq War, about the rights of the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. Um, however, I- Iran is a country that executes homosexuals. China, um, you know, there's occupation issues there. Even if you know, like, even if you you pretend they aren't, um, they're political prisons in China. Cuba has political prisons." Um, and I went on. I said, "Okay, now what is South Africa doing about that?" I mean, and he shifted very uncomfortably in his chair, and he said, "Well, you know, now you're asking me the difficult questions." Oh. And he said, we, "We we 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 do stuff. We do stuff, but it's very unsystematic." Now I'm not sure if that's diploma speak for we don't do anything at all. Um, but you know, I've I've um, I've said this again and again. Um, we phrase criticism of of Israel, for instance, mm. in 
this this metaphysics of human rights and democracy. And we don't even um, uh, have the consistency of applying that to their neighbors across the room. Absolutely. And but just as and it's interesting that you bring up Israel yeah. because I was gonna I was gonna sort of ask you about that. You know, and you make the point. We don't say much about other countries mm. um, that have a worse and really bad record right, right. Of, of human rights abuses. What is SSV on Israel? Well, once again, it's 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 hideously inconsistent. If you if if you if you take the um, uh, the charges that are leveled against Israel, let's say every one of them is is, is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I mean, I, I personally have my um, uh, have my uh, my critiques of, of of Israel, and you know, I think that these are very serious issues that it has to deal with. Mm-hmm. But you know, if one wants to talk about occupation, well, you know, India and Kashmir, for instance, um, and that comes from I think from 1948 as well. Yep. So we're talking about exactly the same. Um, you want to talk about uh, th- about threats to peace? Well, North and South Korea, mm-hmm. um, tensions between Vietnam and China. Um, you know, many of these going back as far as the Israeli-Palestinian uh, con- um, uh, conflict. Um, but I think you know what you're seeing there is, is once again something that comes very much out of the ANC's own history that they are they've been aligned they were aligned with the PLO. And that is uh, um, that is their alignment. Now, um, I think that it's that that this is an area where that sort of um, ideological blinkership Hmm. is particularly is particularly telling. Um, South Africa, to to my mind, has nothing to offer uh, resolving that uh, that conflict. We do not have any experience, for instance, in um, in resolving territorial disputes. in South Af- um, in South Africa, uh, religion was a uh, was a factor that that, that united the uh, the different factions. There, it is very much something that that, that splits mm. them apart. Um, in fact, I, I would go as far as saying that, that that South Africa never never in its transition did not deal with the issue of intercommunal tensions. Mm. We sort of pretended they didn't exist. I remember the, the the tagline was "Protect the individual, and you protect the group." You know, within a couple of years, we were very much solidifying those group identities. Um, and you know, as we see in, um, in 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 our ambassador to Denmark's uh, Twitter feed, this has now become the thing. Um, so we do not have an experience uh, that 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 um, that the Israelis and Palestinians can draw on. Perhaps we have some sort of we we may have had some sort of convening power, but I think the um, the position that the South African state has taken means that it's not it's not credible to the Israelis, and I'm not sure that. Um, we could actually even leverage enough that it would be in, be interesting to the Palestinians. Mm. Palestinians can maybe come here and you know um, invoke Nelson Mandela, but I don't think that they really expect much to come out of this. Mm. So you know, we um, spend enormous um, uh, enormous volumes of time and hot air talking about talking about that uh, talking about that. Um, we treated Zimbabwe with kid gloves, where South Africa's influence was profound. Absolutely. Swaziland, where South Africa's influence is decisive. Uh, very, very little is done, and um, you know. I, and while I think that the, uh, that our attempts in Lesotho to um, uh, uh, to broker um, uh, to broker agreements have been noble, they haven't been particularly um, effective. Mm-hmm. And as I say, there, there's probably no con- no country in the mm-hmm. world has that potential sort of leverage. So, you know, why we think that um, uh, that somehow we can resolve one of the world's more intractable trouble spots, I don't know. It's posturing, Terence. I want to ask you the question of what does this all mean? Okay. Because, and I'll, prefer, I'll, I'll just add a little spanner in the works here because I want you to engage us. Um, you're making, I think if anybody's listening to this, they're going, Yara, um, we have all, you know, 100 plus embassies mm. you mentioned, um, a, a very wide footprint around the yeah. world. Very little bang for buck. 
Um, what does this really, what does it all mean? Are we just using ambassador, ambassadorial positions as a reward for ANC cadres? Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a strong element of that. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's gone beyond ANC cadres um, to, you know, it, 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 it mirrors the dysfunctionality across the state. Mm. Um, uh, unclear mandates. Um, large amounts of spending that aren't producing anything. Um, we are sending, um, you know, if, 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 if the goal of having an ambassador is so that he can go to a government cocktail party and make ridiculous, pla- uh, ridiculous promises that South African troops are going to be deployed, um, then it's, it, it's, it's, it's a travesty. What, you know, what we, uh, what we need is to rethink what, um, uh, what this presence sh- uh, uh, should mean, and I think going, you know, going back to what what um, uh, to what President Mandela said, or then ANC leader Mandela said, um, economic opportunities, focusing on trade. You know, do I, 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 I don't believe that we have the economic and trade expertise in our um, uh, in our in our missions abroad that can actually go out and hustle for investment. Um, and I think that can also come back and report that you know th- these these are the very serious uh, um, uh, constraints that 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 foreign businesses see um, uh, see in the country. Um, so why sh- you know why should we care about it? Well, we mm. should care about it because well it's, we're paying for it. Mm. Um, we're paying for it, and there 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 is a there there is there is a point to having those relations. Mm. Um, however, if we are going to let them be swallowed by egos, by incompetence, and by ideology, then really, I, I, I think rather just establish an e-visa scheme and let people do it online. As we maybe look to, to wrapping up the conversation, I want to pose just maybe two questions mm. to you because you've, you've sparked some interest, uh, a lot of interest in this. Right. Terence, one gets the impression that you know th- there's, a, there's a bigger tragedy behind this. Yeah. For instance, you know, we recently, I was recently, sorry, in Germany. Yeah. And, you know, as we're doing a little tour of Berlin, yeah. um, the tour guide goes, ah, I know there's a South African in the bus. There's the South African embassy. But it was, it was like such a who cares moment. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like yeah. I, I, and this is where I was going with this question. I feel as though, and you're making the point here, that the, the real loser out of this little situation we have of these wasteful embassies, essentially, mm. is the potential it could have derived for, let's say, the young chap, you know, we always use this example, the, the, the young chap on a sand dune in Cape Town who's right. unemployed right, right, right. and could be benefiting from, like, experience yeah. uh, such as a, an apprenticeship in Germany where he mm. goes there, yeah. gets a bit of a skill, comes back. And we had this conversation on Monday with one of the chaps who we, yeah. uh, um, you know, like an expert we had in, in, yes. in-house, yeah, where he mentioned this. Are we are we failing those individuals in this country who could be benefiting from expertise around the world mm. that could be channeled via a good ambassadorial type? Um, yeah. Look, uh, um, uh, there's the, there's no question. Um, the different the the distinction between your internal and your external um, uh, economy these these days is an art, is uh, well, it's artificial and it's very difficult very difficult to draw. Um, a um, the opportunities, for instance, for a small business to not uh, to not only service the immediate neighbourhood, but mm. to possibly you know export to the other side of the world, it, it exists in a way that it's never existed before. Um, 
we also have a large diaspora now mm. i think it's it 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 is very sad why we have this because a lot of this is you know people not uh, not having uh, not having faith in the country's future and you know contrary to the um uh, to the race hustlers narrative these are no like these are uh, these are no longer whites and they haven't been for That's right. not exclusively white um but i think that there are opportunities that could be tapped into for instance um you know your um x 100,000 south africans living in the uk or your you know 80,000 or whatever it is in new zealand these are people who still retain links to south africa mm. still retain affection for the country um and there are um there are countries around the world who actually have uh, a function of their diplomatic service to retain a contact with um uh, with their citizens abroad or um you know not even necessarily with their citizens but with people of that sort of co- you know cultural cultural background um the portuguese I understand do this mm. um the, this is something i think um i think we um we need to do aggressively um i believe many of these people would uh would either return or if not return would at least be interested in in, mm. in assisting with um uh with getting south africa back on track um i think that uh there's absolutely no shame in looking at uh, in looking at at at, at uh, exporting certain skills you know in, uh, for remittances a country like the philippines does that mm-hmm. um but once again you know that 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 takes a kind of lateral pragmatic thinking that i don't think is um is tolerated mm. within um within uh, within government now mm. you know and the other thing is that um I think that we we simply need to um uh, need to start this whole conversation uh afresh by saying well, what what is it fundamentally that we want um I I have no I I've no special issue with South Africa having a having an embassy in Cuba in fact mm. I think I think the, the the more contacts we have with the more countries the better um Cuba is however more a sentimental than an economic partner um for a, for a long time I'm not sure if we've changed this we had no uh, we had no representation in Colombia yet Colombia has massive uh, has massive mineral deposits That's right. and it's an area where potentially there is there is um uh, uh, there are some synergies um if you remember when um uh, when Mr Dempsey uh, uh, from from New Zealand deprived us of the, us of the world cup there was a great deal of uh, gnashing of teeth about well, why weren't our people in new zealand you know lobbying well we didn't have an we didn't have a high commission in new zealand we had sort of just let that um uh, let that slip the sad thing now is that i'm not sure that even if we had we've done very much about it um so you know one thing we 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 ha- we ha- we have this represent- representation let's turn it from being you know um uh, some sort of big a uh, big symbol of you know what wonderful global citizens we are mm. to something to an asset something that actually represents an investment with a return Terence final thoughts and I'm going to throw uh, another spanner in the works yes. um if you if Terence became the president and he's here on a reform agenda he's going to set this all right what are the top 3 things you'd do or focus areas you'd, you'd have when it comes to ambassador ambassadorial Um, I don't I don't know the word is is it the ambassadorial position. There we go. Ambassadorial right. positions. Um, things. Okay. I would uh, I would first of all say that anybody going into uh, going into an embassy at any position below b- b- below an ambassadorship has to be a um, has to be a, a professional career diplomat. I would end the process Absolutely. of taking people from uh you know of 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 using this as a as a nice reward as far as ambassadorships go. 
it is unfortunately global practice that you have your politically your politically appointed ambassadorships. And I don't think we'll ever get away from that. Hmm. However, you know, I would wa- I would want to, I would want to um, uh, to have a nice competent mix of people who are career diplomats who have been in the service for thirty years and are now getting their first position. You know, not in, maybe maybe it's not the court of St James, maybe it's you know Warsaw or something like that. Nice, well, you know, but who, but 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 who can run it nice and competently and can focus on the developmental questions. Mm. We want your business. We we offer you your business. What are your problems, and how can we deal? With, how can we deal with them? I would want every um, uh, I would want every um, uh, South African embassy around the world to have an officer who is there to receive any walk um, any walk in businessman. Come and sit down. Let's look at let's look at your plan. How can I help you? And I mean really helping you as opposed to giving you someone else's phone number. Mm. Um, then of course you know I suppose that one does have to have to put up with uh, uh, with the odd political appointment. Um, you know, I, I I sigh and shrug my shoulders, but you know, I would I would call each of those into my office and say, look, please let's let, let's understand why you're going. And uh, your first secretary, the person who actually has been in the embassy, is the one is the one to talk to. Um, you know, as I say, pro- professionalism. Um, let's 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 make our embassies assets. Mm. Absolutely. Terence, thank you so much for joining us on this, the first episode of Liberty and Friends, a podcast. Uh, and thank you guys for joining us. Remember, I did say Terence will be having his own podcast. I'm sure you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, and you can look forward to that. It'll probably be released uh, once every two weeks. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can support the Institute of Race Relations by becoming a friend of the IRR. This is our crowdfunding campaign which uh, we have here in-house. You can support us by donating 90 rand a month. And how you do that is you SMS your name to 32823, terms and conditions to apply, and SMS will cost you one rand. Or alternatively, hey, you don't like SMSs, you're tech savvy, find us online, irr.org.za forward slash join. And you can sign up your monthly debit order uh, that way. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Big Daddy Liberty. This has been Liberty and Friends.